All right, everybody. So today on the podcast, we have Mike Dolce. How you doing, Mike? I'm great. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm glad we were able to connect. I uh, So my first intro to you was actually uh, hearing about you through Chael Sonnen. Okay. And so, um, you know, he's obviously got a pretty successful YouTube channel. And he was talking, you know, he, he very, you know, on the outskirts will occasionally talk about like fitness and nutrition stuff. But obviously he's like, you know, 98% MMA. But he was talking, he's like, yeah, you know, in terms of like nutrition and background and everything like that for sports, you know, and he said, somebody number two or three, but he's like, number one, though, that's Mike Dolce. And I've been in the fitness scene for a very long time, like in terms of a reader of it and watching everything for a very long time. Um, but I, I know, I don't know how long you personally been into it. But after he mentioned that I, I started looking into you, and then I saw you on one or two other podcasts. So for people who haven't heard of you, what is your background in, in fitness? And, and then we'll probably talk a little bit about MMA stuff too. Well, I'm best known for my work with mixed martial artists, athletes like Chael Sonnen competing in the UFC or the larger organizations. We also work with college wrestlers, international level wrestlers. The point is, we were known for working with weight class oriented athletes, typically in combat sports. But from there, we have a, a very wide practice working with regular folks from all walks of life, simply because our focus is not weight class restricted athletes. It just so happened that our foundational principles and programs worked extremely well for that niche extreme level of weight management. So we kind of blew up in that area, became known in that area when really, and I think you, you will talk deeper in the basic principles. What we focus on is just the, the general health of the organism, regardless of what your goal is, short-term goal, long-term goal is per se. So from there, we've just enjoyed the growth of fitness, fitness media, social media. Um, and now we're more of a digital media company, let's say, because we put out so much content directed to a wide variety of audiences. Right, right. So at this point, would you say that you work with a lot of, not, maybe not necessarily gen pop, but non-athletes with, you know, like physique goals, or are you still primarily athletes? No, that's the funny thing. The athletes we've ever worked with, and we've worked with hundreds of high-level athletes over the years, is a, a tiny percentage of the humans we work with. So we have a team of registered dietitians and exercise physiologists and certified trainers and um, doctors of physical therapy even that are a part of our team and, and help with clients who just had a bad visit to their doctor. They're overcoming um, some sort of uh, maybe postnatal issues, really anyone in between. Okay. Some happen to be elite athletes or Hollywood actors and actresses and, and individuals with means, you know, higher level uh, corporate titans, let's say that they understand the difference in optimal living and they bring in someone like myself and there's probably some others out there that, that are similar. Um, but to answer your question fully, we, I don't care what your job is that our advice is going to be no different. I, we used to make a joke. That's not a joke. It's true that when we were working with Ronda Rousey and she was running through the UFC winning world titles, my grandma Rhoda's grocery list was exactly the same as Rhonda's. Yeah. <laughs> You know, now the timing and the, the proportion that that Ronda ate was slightly different. Grandma was in, you know, like grandma pool aerobics when Ronda was hitting like hard freestyle laps for time at 5 a.m. to right. get ready for fights and whatnot. Um, so you know, maybe that's a little more. Um, yeah. Yeah. Of what we do. That's awesome. So I guess if I have any like niche, I, I would say that I fall in and it, it almost has a negative connotation now, not entirely, but there's like the evidence-based fitness industry. And I say it's almost got a negative connotation now because some people have taken it so far that they're like, well, unless I, I have a study saying this exact thing, any other interpretation or, or any other method is flawed. And I don't think that's really accurate. I think evidence-based should be taken into account, obviously studies, but I think anecdote can be relevant. I, I think personal experience and as a coach's experience, that, that all factors in. Um, but the reason I bring that up is because I remember, I, I think there was maybe a dispute between you and Lane Norton, or maybe some disagreements about some things. And I, I think you probably have different philosophies. I don't know the details of it, but I, I see you chuckling. So maybe there's, <laughs> there's more to it. I'm um, always happy to talk about Dr. Lane. Okay. Um, so, well, maybe that is something to, to go into. So what would you say? Cause I, I think his views are very representative of that evidence-based industry, where are some things that maybe you disagree with him or that industry in, in terms of the nutritional approach? 
I would disagree with that. I, I think um, in many ways, Lane's issue with me has nothing to do with fundamental nutrition and dietetics principles. Lane's issue with me always seemed more personal. Lane mm. was saying negative things about me simply because I believe I rose to prominence inside any sport. It happened to be the sport of MMA, and I became rather popular. I was on the Joe Rogan show twice, and Lane would say bad things about guys like me or guys like Rob Wolf and Rogan only like getting people that confirm his bias on the show. Mm. And people like, Lane, why aren't you on Rogan next? And he would say like even kind of like shade Rogan back in the early. And that's all out there on Twitter. People can certainly find it and do a yeah. search of Lane's tweets. You'll see most of his stuff. I don't disagree with which means most of my stuff is very similar, probably similar macro ratios. Although we talk about micronutrient sufficiency before macros really matter. Cause we try and educate people on eating healthful, high net nutrient foods, avoiding the highly palatable low net nutrient foods. Right? So that's more of our education approach, but we probably end up in a similar macro ratio. I mm -hmm. disagree with artificial sweeteners, let's say, and preservatives mm -hmm. and all the extras that are not necessary. Now, I work in the higher level of the fitness industry with some of the largest fitness-based companies on the planet. And I understand, and I'm sat in the board meetings and the R&D meetings, and I understand the price point of sucralose as opposed to maybe a monk fruit. I understand the time and the level of expertise and the care and integrity, I believe, of the individuals in that room when we do decide to put out a product. Now, artificial sweeteners and all these preservatives, these do nothing for the human, for the end user. They simply pad the margin of the company. We're all here to make money, but we can make money through over-delivering on value to the end user like I have a cold process cross-flow micro-filtered whey protein isolate that's organic. And our sweetener is vanilla bean in the vanilla and cacao bean in the cacao. And that, that's it, mm. right? It's a four ingredient and a five ingredient. Now I could have produced that for pennies on the dollar, but that's not the point. So my difference in Lane and, and, and the difference between Lane and I is I'm that guy. Lane's the guy that's going to throw a bunch of sucralose and aspartame and all the synthetics and, and the, the red and the blue number fives into a product to squeeze the end user. Now, I don't disrespect the end user like that. That's the difference. He's that guy mm. on this guy. So he threw shade at me in the very beginning. I never said anything bad about him really, but he continues on. Now I'm happy to go deeper into the difference in, is in personalities between Lane and I, but I don't <laughs> find Lane to be a credible or honorable human. And I think that detracts from his work, which is fine enough, but it's, it's more of a, a, a blank bodybuilding, lazier style than truly educating the end user in how the human body actually works and how it should be fed the importance of high net nutrient foods, micronutrients and phytochemicals, that type of approach, I believe is more effective long-term. So that's my, my little uh, okay. diatribe response. Yeah, no, uh, that's that interesting. I actually, I've I never spoken about it before really like that. Yeah, I didn't, that's what I was going to say. I didn't, I didn't know it really was to that level, but um, it is interesting when you say about like the Joe Rogan. I, I know that Lane had thrown, uh, I guess you could say, shade towards Joe in the past. And I was actually thinking this because I, I watch a, not a ton of Joe Rogan, but a decent amount. I, I like, you know, his podcast. And um, I was thinking, you know, when you're at that level where it obviously benefits people to go on his show, I wonder how authentic he feels people can be with him. And even, you know, at your level of success and, or even at Lane's, like, you know, just and this is not a fitness topic as much as it is just like an interpersonal topic. But when you have that much success, you probably wonder, are people being real with me? And Lane's not the only person where I've seen people maybe crap on Joe Rogan, but then they have the opportunity to go on and then they act like, you know, oh, we're, we're such good friends. Um, you, you see that a lot just because obviously there's an incentive there. So I just wonder at your level of success or Joe Rogan's, if it's hard to, uh, I don't know, like choose your friends wisely. Well, I'd say it's, it's a matter, matter of integrity. When I deal with Joe, it's straightforward. That's it. Joe's awesome. To be on Joe's show is an amazing boost to the career. But I disagree with a lot of what Joe says about mm -hmm. maybe keto or extreme carbs or the, the, the higher fluctuation of dietary principles. I'm more of a slow and steady swing the axe kind of guy. And I can support that through evidence. But you, Joe knows that. 
right? It's straightforward. That's how I think real men talk, people of integrity talk. And again, you look at Lane's tweets and comments and Shade and Joe, then Joe puts them on and Joe's the best ever. Mm. What kind of dude is that? What kind of guy is that? Like, what kind of human is that? That's not my kind of dude. Do you think when it comes to these things like artificial sweeteners and preservatives, is it more for you that you don't like adding them because there's maybe better options and they're not helpful or you actually find harm in an aspartame or a sucralose, things like that? Both. Now, the data clearly shows artificial sweeteners and synthetics, synthetic toxic chemicals, as we like to say, in the food supply to varying degrees, but more so through time and accumulation, have at the very least a negative impact on the digestive environment, the microbiome, if you will. And it causes a series of of inflammatory responses at the very least. We can all, as intelligent men and women of science, we can agree on that. All the data is out there if you look for that data. Now, if you try and say that 300 calories is 300 calories, whether it's synthetics or not, therefore, this macro program works, and these two individuals did the same thing, and they had the same results over three months, six months, what have you. You can use data to make that same argument mm-hmm. i don't care about that because we can have that exact same outcome with high net nutrient life affirming foods educating humans how to truly feed them not to slap synthetic toxic chemicals in neon green dye and drinking that down because quote they're an athlete we're not gonna teach that why would we, if I'm on a battlefield or dying in the Sahara, Sahara maybe I'll, I'll grab one of those. But if I have Whole Foods 11 minutes from my house and Instacart delivery and shit, a garden in my backyard, <laughs> yeah, that's how we teach. That's how we educate. So I think much of, of, I think our success, but also our differences and why a lot of the other you know, entities, individuals and personalities don't understand us is because they're not looking at the same data that we are we're looking at very valid data you know you're a man of science yeah everything i'm saying is correct about the microbiome and the inflammatory responses and that carries over over i believe to a more level or a higher level of systemic inflammation that has other cascading effects in other systems of the body maybe it's cognitive maybe it's emotional maybe it's uh, waste uh, uh, delivery and, and removal who knows that carries over so again why not just eat the real food I think it's a really interesting topic because you have this kind of like macro level of, you know, looking at nutrition. And I I would personally, I I do believe that at the end of the day, not a calorie is a calorie, but I do believe obviously calories matter. I I think generally speaking, if somebody's coming to me, they want to lose weight. Okay. I I am going to put them in a calorie deficit. I'm going to say eat more nutrient rich foods, um, maybe not these super palatable foods and things like that. I do think that there is maybe too much of a push, you you know, if you know, like the whole, like, if it fits you macros crowd, it would be almost became like a meme at some point where it was like pop tarts all day and things like that. And I think I would like to believe that the people who truly believe it's literally just if it fits your macros are few and far between, like, obviously micronutrients matter. Obviously there's a lot of other factors. Um, But I, I think it is interesting when you start to look at some of these things that are in a lot of like, like, for instance, if you look at like maltodextrin, how that affects the gut, um, carrageen and how that affects the gut, you do find research. And I think you can really see it in people who are more prone to it or have a, a smaller reservoir or room for error. And what I mean by that is if you look at people like, um, inflammatory bowel disease patients, um, irritable bowel syndrome patients, uh, people with autoimmune issues, it's not to say that necessarily a completely healthy person would follow the same pattern. But in, in that population, you will find that, you know, I mean, there's plenty of studies that show carrageenan le- led to increased inflammation or a, um, a thinning of the gut lining and things like that. And, you know, not necessarily just carrageenan, but just as an example. So I would maybe say for the people who are so quick to dismiss some of these like micro details that they, they can make a difference, especially in certain populations. Uh, I, I think this concept carries over to other aspects in life and and the attention to those micro details i believe is the the difference between the truly great master of the craft 
the jujitsu black belt who even knows how to rotate the wrist in order to attack the shoulder is not just attacking the shoulder, but understands every step along the way. Our belief, again, is educating the end user, knowing the amount of alternate data is being forced upon them every day and to push back with the valid scientific approach of nutrient fulfillment. Right. And, and we have a pretty good way of, of showing a bunch of different ways to do that. College diet guide, three weeks to shredded, living lean and all these other ways to package these concepts for specific, you know, 25 to 34 year old male or the 55 to 64 year old female. Same principles, different administration, different packaging, of course. Um, so I've, I've constantly speak. And, and I think one of our sayings is, is living lean don't count calories, make calories count. So that book was written in 2011, a decade or so ago. Mm. And I'm preaching the same song in that calories don't matter to us until the micros have been considered at the very least, but fulfilled is the job outside of that. Well, what's the point in, in, in just focusing on the macros and some will even just focus on calories. You know, because there's different levels to this. And some individuals will say, calories in, calories out, that's all that matters. And, cal you know, 100,000 calories of peanut butter or 1,000 calories of, of um, wild-caught salmon, 1,000 calories of even black beans, whatever. 1,000 mm -hmm. calories, you'll lose weight. Others will say, we'll break the calories into macros. And then you build the macros off of very specific micro ratios. That's, I believe, the, the best system for the human organism, right? You know, for this biological organism that we are as, as humans, I think that's the most, and I, I think I also, I can say anecdotally, if you will, but factually through our career and the body of work that we have, this has been the, the system the entire time. So you're focused largely on, let's say, uh, micronutrients and like the micro details. Ultimately, I assume your belief is that by focusing on them, some of these other things fall into, you know, fall into play. So for instance, if you're eating micronutrient rich foods, then you're, and you're doing it in, a, in, the, in the proper amounts, your macros should be generally favorable. And then that will lead to a total calorie amount that is, you know, productive to your, towards your goals, not, Hey, these other things don't matter. And we just focus on micros. So let's say that I'm on a, a 40, 30, 30, right? Very typical bro mm. split, let's say protein, 40, 30 carb, 30 fat. And let's say it's a thousand calories, right? 400 grams of protein, 300 grams of carbs, 300 grams of fat. That now is broken down into what are the most nutrient dense foods we can actually get that ratio out of? That's the, the first question to us, which makes the entire 40, 30, 30, not really matter as much. Mm -hmm. And the quality of the food matters. It, it's, you know, you have a, a master team that's going to build a skyscraper and you need 40 carpenters. What is the quality of the carpenter and what is the, the condition of their tools as they show up to work their job to be these craftsmen? So again, that is the, the philosophical approach that we wrap around in the educational piece, shows such as this and how we liaise with our, our client base. But ideally, we're looking for local organic foods that are native to the individuals consuming them in their natural form in season if possible. So we're now trying to ensure that you and your geographic location, well, you should likely be eating the majority of foods that are geographic to you from a seasonality perspective, from a, a time of harvesting perspective, um, and possibly depending on your, your you know, cultural, ethnic background. We actually, when we work privately with clients, well, we look towards that also. You know, in addition to blood work and deficiencies and other, you know, health, you know, traditional health checks and such. Sure. So you as we and again, so as I speak now to you, I speak from having run through that for nearly 25 years, let's say. Yeah. And have the end results of that approach. But I like to always go back to if you say, well, in three months, I'll, you know, bodybuilder Joe, let's say bodybuilder Joe or Jane. Well, they got a competition coming up. They're going to eat crap food. Lots of, of, of supplements, let's say, lots of low net nutrient foods. 
And they're going to get to 3% body fat or 7% body fat. They're going to look like shit. They're going to feel like shit. They're going to have digestive issues afterwards. They're going to gain possibly, you know, 20, 30% of their body weight right afterward. They're going to have all these negative health outcomes. Um, and I believe that is all tied in with that. You know, again, that's an extreme example, but that's what we see in general population who go on these extreme macro pop tart, mm. ice cream, Oreo cookie, um, sugar free, sugar free maple syrup. You know, these type of, of food um, programs, we see the massive bounce afterwards. So I'm hearing some principles that fall in line with uh, like a lot of what Stan Efferding talks about vertical diet. I don't know how much you've looked into that. Do you find that you two are on the same page with some of this stuff? If, if you're familiar with Stan? You know, I, yeah, I, I am familiar with Stan. I know Stan well and consider Stan a friend. He's been on my show uh, quite a few times and, and, you know, we hang out together. Um, I don't know. It's funny because I, I don't know the exact confines of the vertical diet. My fault for not having read it, but I've said I'm going to have Stan on the show and I want him to explain it. Um, that being said, there's a lot of similarities that we have. But at the same time, Stan, and he and I have spoken about this, where Stan, here's, here's a great one, I think, to show the example. Stan will talk about having Wonder Bread, white bread after a workout to get a car push. Now, I, I, I understand completely, and certain athletes at certain times, we do the exact same thing, except of Wonder Bread, white bread, we will use an, an organic jasmine white rice for a similar effect mm. with something that is on the healthier side of the equation. And our philosophy is to always teach you to make the healthier decision. Make, I'm like surprised white... that he, uh, cause I, I mean, I don't know a ton about, I've had Stan on the podcast. I, I did, you know, I know about the vertical diet. I'm really surprised to hear that he was uh, suggesting white bread after maybe it was like just for a specific circumstance, but I thought he was all about the white rice too. The, and he's in the vertical diet. I know this because he told me he actually gave me credit for the adoption of the white rice yeah. where we'll actually blend it like in a coffee grinder and a, a bean grinder. We'll blend white rice in that. We can act, you can mix it, you know, pro tip. You can mix it to your smoothies. You don't need a, a mm. waxy maze or any of these yeah, other yeah, synthetics. Yeah. So this is, again, my team and I coming up with the more natural, the healthier, the more life affirming foods. Instead of just the easy, lazy, synthetic, toxic, chemical, you know, garbage that's out there. That's interesting. Okay. I, I've seen uh, Stan. I don't know if he still is, but I saw he and John Jones were working together for a little while as John was bulking up to heavyweight. I don't know. Do you have any communication with John Jones? I not. I, I do. As a, um, a friendly acquaintance, we'll okay. say, you know, to guys who work in the same industry, but I, you know, we don't text each other. We see yeah, each other. Yeah. We'll, we'll chit chat for a few minutes in the hotel lobby or in the gym. Yeah. Um, What's he doing that. with heavyweight, man? You think he's going <laughs> to finally fight? I think so. I think they did the right thing. They took the time to get John bigger and then to let John settle into that weight. And that was a smart move. Yeah. You know, how would this good? I would say really, it's going to take a year for John to just get to that weight, settle into the weight and then start thinking about fighting at that weight. Right. If we're really thinking about it. now, you can rush it. A guy athlete like John Jones. I mean, that's one of the most talented athletes ever. Right. Yep. John Jones is amazing. What he's done, his body of work is, is one of the best still. But I think him fighting, you know, as early as that July 4th card might be a little early because. He's got to be damn near in fight prep time now, if, if that's the case. But probably next fall to winter, I think, would be more ideal. Does he have uh, a fight plan? Do they even have anybody in line for him? As far as I know, not yet. I've, I've heard some names and some talk behind the scenes. You know, yeah. you get the text. Did you hear about this? Um, but nothing. I, nothing I feel like that. him because, you know, you got gone versus in Ghana right now. I feel like Stipe versus Jones makes all the sense in the world. I, yeah. I don't know why, if John would turn that down or if he only wants to fight for the title. Um, I think that'd be an awesome fight. I agree. I think that's the fight to make. And that if, if Stipe can beat John, Stipe, again, he's the immediate number one contender. If John yeah. wins, well, that's one of the biggest heavyweight fight in a decade, maybe in, in yeah. years for sure, since Kane versus Brock. Mm -hmm. Who do you have for Ngannou versus Gon? Um, I'm going to say gone. Yeah. I'm going to say gone just because I think gone. I mean, as talented as, as Nganu is, there's a lot of blind spots 
in Ngannou's game. He's mm. game. He's o- overly aggressive, maybe at certain points, overly reckless, a lot of holes when he punches. Um, and I think the person to beat him is someone who's patient with that power Technical, that Gon has, yeah. right? I mean, that's one shot yeah. crush power. And Ganu has that also. Stipe didn't really have that as much, I don't think. No. Right? Um, Stipe's awesome in his own way, though. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think it's, uh, man, but heavyweights, they always say four ounce, four <laughs> ounce gloves at flyweight. Anything yeah. can happen at heavyweight. It, it's who knows. Yeah, I, I think like technically gone. Most people, it seems like generally people agree gone is the better fighter. But then when you got 30 pounds and all that power in Ghana, it's just like, who knows? Right. Exactly. Like you said. Yeah, I've stood next to Ngannou, man. That dude, yeah. is, it's, a, <laughs> it's a different level. It's a different level of human. It's, you know, you, you go to an NBA, <laughs> stand around some NBA folks. Yeah. You know, the tallest kid in your high school is the shortest kid on an NBA team. Right. 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 Yeah, it's bizarre. Um, so I, I know you've had, like you said, you worked with Shale, you worked with Rhonda, um, and like two, two of the greatest, right? Um, if, if you were to say a debate now, I'm a Khabib fan, like I'm a, I'm a big uh, Khabib fan. And so I was upset to see him retire and now Islam, it's, it's kind of like, you know, following through that. Uh, but to me, if I had to say like, who's the best, right? You got like Anderson Silva, GSP, I'd say Usman is now in, in the running. Um, and then a lot of people talk about John Jones. I think given that you have some people like GSP, multiple weight classes and things like that, there's more of an argument. I don't, it's hard for me to say Khabib's the best ever in terms of his accolades, but to me, nobody's ever been as dominant as Khabib. Uh, I, I just thought like the way he was just like through everybody, you know, and I even think that with Poirier fighting this weekend, it's like, man, if, if Poirier wins, he's got to know he's still second best, right? Like if he wins this weekend, it's just like, you know, you're second best, but I just want to get your thoughts on maybe like who you think is the best, maybe overall versus like accolades and domination. Well, I would not rank Khabib over Usman. Okay. I wouldn't rank Khabib over, I I wouldn't rank Usman over George St. Pierre. Not yet. Not yet. No, not yet. Look at who George has fought and beat, and Usman's not there yet. Usman might potentially physically standing here be the scarier man, Mm -hmm. but he hasn't done what GSP has done yet. And it's easy to sit here and say what you're going to do, what you could potentially do, but how many people left their potential at home, lost their potential on the way to the venue? That stuff happens. Over a period of time, GSP was at the top for a while, but I wouldn't put GSP above John Jones either. Okay. John Jones is is leaps and bounds competitively better than George. George in terms is of what he's done, in, in terms of what he's done, who he fought. Look at who John fought. The number of former champions John fought and beat convincingly. Yeah, throughout his career, compared to George, not George's fault. George fought Diaz and Condit and Koscheck, great fighters. Yeah. Matt Sarah beat him. John's only loss was a win. Yeah, beating yeah, up Matt yeah, Hamill, yeah. Big Brother right. style, right? So yeah. John, in my my opinion, of course, is is better than George. George is the athlete I use as my reference, though, when I talk about greatness in mm-hmm. the great champions. I always point to George because George has so much more than John in the totality of his life and his career, and maybe right. hopefully John pulls it together. Right. George, George is the example, but yeah. I would not put John Jones, greatest of all time, I would not put John Jones over Chael Peace on it. Because really? Chael is the true goat of all MMA, the totality of his work, <laughs> what he's done, is by far... Undefeated, undisputed, right? Biggest arms in the game, too, by the way. <laughs> Try and pull that off. Now, I will say, as a friend and teammate of Chael since 2004, a training partner, a coach, and an athlete under Chael, I truly believe Chael's the greatest fighter on the planet ever to live. Why is that? Because I saw Chael beat up all the other greats inside that big red barn in Gresham, Oregon, in the mm. back of Matt Linland's USA Auto Sales, the big pole barn. And every, those who know, know what that place is and what happened there. I saw Chael Sonnen beat every single, every single human walk in that door with right. no problem. And some of the greats, and, and not to kiss and tell, but every big name, every big titleist. So Chael in a parking lot versus any of these folks? Yeah. 
I know who's walking away, right? So I will put that out there and that is true. And anyone else who's in that room, they're going to nod their head, like it or not. Cause usually I, you know, taking a beating, you know, they've been at, at the bottom of one of those and they can't say anything other, anything about it. When I, so I, I, I like Chael. I will say that. So I watched, I started watching his channel and after like a few episodes, the, uh, I don't know, the scientific minded, you know, following nutrition, all this stuff, person in me would hear him say some things that I you know, that maybe weren't completely accurate that I was like annoyed by. And, yeah. and then eventually I just had to sit back and realize, all right, it, it's, it's infotainment, right? I mean, when he, I think he just hits record and he just goes. And so I, I try not to hold it <laughs> to the same standard as I was maybe, you know, in terms of that area, but he's very entertaining. Um, I've watched him versus Anderson Silva multiple times. And yeah. it's like, you watch it and you know, what's coming. And I still hate to see it after that four and a half rounds where he just dominated Silva. This yeah. <laughs> it's just frustrating. My my point though to earlier, look at how much better Chael truly is than Anderson. Mm-hmm. The four and a half rounds of that fight showed it, and Chael got caught one out of a thousand techniques. Let's say that night. Yeah, that's crazy. Putting that into perspective, man. It, it's you know, yeah, Chael all the way. So, so where it sounds like you would say. Uh, maybe Khabib, Usman, GSP, John Jones. Where would you put Silva in that? Um, as I would put Silva close to GSP. It's, it's hard to say above or below GSP. Okay. But I don't think Silva's not even close to Jones. Adesanya's not there yet. Oh, um, uh, yeah, yeah, Adesanya. You know, he's trying, but he's he's not there. He hasn't had that career-defining fight. Mm-hmm. Um, who else? You know, Fedor, Krokop. I'm putting all those guys above Khabib right now. Not because Khabib isn't amazing. He is. He just didn't fight the level of opposition that yeah. Krokop did, that um, that uh, Fedor did, you know, that, that even uh, – I don't want to say that Rampage did, but still, look at who Rampage fought and beat. You know, Chuck Liddell yeah. when Chuck was the man, Lyoto Mashida when Lyoto Mashida was the man. You know, he's lots of big wins at, at that level. Um, yeah, as much as I, I do, I really liked watching Khabib. I would have to admit, too, that, you know, he, not that he didn't fight anybody, he, he you know, Gaethje and uh, Connor and Poirier, like he, he had some very big fights, but I would admit that, like, if you look at, you know, what GSP and, and John Jones in particular did. It was, it was pretty wild. Yep. Quality of opposition, I, I think, is really, that's the number one determining factor of where do athletes rank. Mm-hmm. You have to compare them against who they competed at. And that's, that's simple numbers, right? You just you know, look at the records, you, you can tell pretty quickly. It's like punch stats in a way. Mm-hmm. You can see pretty quickly. If, and sometimes they're close. And, but when you look at these, there's massive disparities, especially for John Jones. When you look at that list of who he fought, who he beat. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. So yeah. I have two more MMA related questions. One's quick one. Just if uh, if GSP had maybe not now because he's, he's like 40, 41. But if he had come back maybe three, four years ago and fought Khabib at, let, let's say, like a catchweight 165. Would you have GSP based on what you said? At that time, yeah, I think I think at the right weight, um, I think GSP wins that fight the majority of times. Yeah, at, mm. at any weight, right. you know. Now, Khabib is probably a bigger man off season than GSP is, and that should be noted also. Yeah, yeah, he walks around at like one ninety, one ninety five, right? Yeah, and he's a he's a bear. That's a big, strong dude. It's not like yeah. he's. I don't want to say a fat guy. He's not ripped, but dude's a log, right? And yeah. George. Is still very svelte. You know, he looks almost, he's like in, in damn near fight shape year round. Mm. So they're not dissimilar in body sizes. So yeah, if they fought at 170, 165, 155, um, I think GSP wins most of the time. Khabib's still effective. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And then last night, yeah, obviously I got to throw in something about McGregor there. Do you think he's pretty much done or just a hype train at this point? I mean, he's, he's almost not, he's still exciting in the sense that he brings attention to it. Um, but I think he's he's lost all but like one at 155. I don't know. What do you think of him? I don't pretend to know what's in Connor's head or in his <laughs> home or in his camp, right? Yeah. Um, and f- I'm a, a big Connor fan. His whole career, I've, I've found Connor to be nothing but kind and respectful behind the scenes. And then I appreciate the show that he puts on and the eyeballs he brings and the fights. And man, Connor. F- Connor fights. Mm. I remember I was with Manny Gimburian in um, Southern California. Manny was fighting on the card and Connor was fighting um, Chad Mendez. 
And Connor had made the prediction of when and how he was going to beat Chad Mendez. And that's exactly how he finished Chad Mendez in that fight. Insanity, right? Chad Mendez is a tough son of a bitch, by the way. Mm-hmm. That is no joke of a man. And when Connor beat him and then Connor beat Aldo, that was the reign. And then he went in and, and knocked out Eddie Alvarez up a weight class. Yep. That was, I believe, his pinnacle as an athlete. From then, Connor will likely go down as the most successful pay-per-view gate owner in all of MMA, will likely have the highest combat purse, um, you know, MMA-specific combat purse um, stack for a decade until inflation really, yeah, you know, yeah, really. turns the UFC like minimum into like a, a million and a million, right? A million right. to show, a million to win. Um, but now I don't know how easy it is for a slightly older athlete to come back after so much time off with such a tragic injury. And to be fair, I'm a numbers guy. The numbers were stacked against him for the last couple of years. Also, this was not a positive trend we were seeing mm-hmm. competitively. What data would indicate that now this will become a, a fork? Yeah, I don't see any. I see the trajectory. Will he come back and have a great fight? Absolutely. He'll come back, probably knock somebody out, maybe in Ghana, right? Connor will stab a few of those. It's the country song. I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as yeah. I've ever been. Mm. Connor will have that also, right? For sure. Um, and I, I don't want to say he, he can't come back because I've seen athletes do amazing things. Glover to share is one of them. Yeah, very um, interesting with Glover. And Connor could come back, and he's only he's only one fight away from a title at any point. Right. One fight back, he fights for the t- Cerrone right to the title. Love yeah. Cerrone, right? Yeah, yeah. I would think if he could do like a Nate three and and win that, that's a great you know that's a big sell. Everybody's yeah. gonna watch that. It's it's a fight that he could realistically win. Still, you know, I don't think Nate is in his you know like the top top level. Um, and, uh, and then, yeah, he, he probably could get a justified fight. And, and if Dustin wins, then, you know, in Connor's mind, it's not over. Right. So if he beat Nate and Dustin was the champ, you got a, like a double story there. So, yeah. yeah. Great. So, so uh, there's, there's great fights. Connor versus Masvidal, man, that's a great fight. Masvidal is a former 55 or anyway. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'd love to see that. I was, I was bummed to see that, uh, Masvidal had to pull out of Edwards this weekend. That would have been, that would have been a great one. Yeah. Yeah, that's that because that, that would have been a, a good fight. I'd say that's a real fight right there. That's a real contender. If Masvidal beats yeah. Edwards, who should have the next crack? Yeah, he guy. really should. I know. Yeah, that poor guy, right? Could you imagine fighting everyone he's fought and done it as well as he has and mm. still not being able to sniff a title? Yeah, I, that's that's kind of when you look at like, is it just like completely just num- like, how do you justify not giving that guy a title at this point? You know, it, like you said, it's sad for him. Yeah, agreed. So you, you mentioned you're a numbers guy. I'm definitely very analytical numbers guy myself. So uh, when you look at it, whether it's blood work or whether it's, I don't know what else you guys track, um, but would you say that it's largely programs and routines you give, or is it like a weekly, like, Hey, let's track these numbers. Now we have to adjust nutrition based on this. Let's track these numbers. Now we have to adjust your training based on this. Like how analytical do you go with individuals? Well, what we first do is, is probably similar to you and most in the health field. I am not a medical doctor, right? This is not medical advice. And we're very clear about that, though. I do have a team of licensed registered dietitians on staff to do a deep dive into the blood work to liaise with the primary care physician and discuss any contradictions to medicines or to support whatever the, the, the doctor's orders are. But in that, we look for glaring deficiencies, any recent diagnosis, right? That goes into the conversation. Um, detailed health history, hereditary family history, lifestyle, bowel pattern, bowel movements, traditional eating, you know, snacks and, you know, cheats and things like that. So we get pretty detailed into their whole lifestyle and we attack what's wrong 
more than anything else, right? What's, what's the issue here? Is it because you didn't get hugs when you were a little child and you need someone to tell you that it's okay, you can do this and I'm here to walk the journey with you and support it. And you know that chicken and rice and quinoa and sweet potatoes and blueberries, well, they're probably good things. And bagels and ice cream and wine with the girls and wings and beers and, and chips and queso, well, that's the bad stuff. And you already know that and you self-loathe and eat that at 11 at night in your kitchen. Well, we're gonna have that conversation. But if it's someone who's like, man, I don't know what's going on. I'm slow and sluggish all the time. My meals are on point, like things are good. And we look and say, well, shit, you have a massive vitamin B deficiency. I mean, duh, like what a quick, easy fix. Talk to your doctor, but consider a B complex yeah. out of the <laughs> right. gate, right? right? And see what happens in two, three days. I mean, that's as simple as, as stuff is. High five, tell us if you need us. Yeah. Others, it's every meal, every day. Text me your weight first thing in the morning. You have any questions, just shoot me or the team a text message. So we have lots of different ways to interface with the public based upon your needs. Like We're here. What do you need? We have online platforms and automated nutrition and diet programs, which are of the best because they're created by dietitians, not coders and fitness marketers. They're actually created by a healthcare team that's then delivered through coders and, and, and not even marketers because we don't really market, right? Yeah. We don't chase you around with web crawlers and Facebook pop-ups and all that other, not shit, but we don't do that. We just tell people. This is all the stuff. If you like it, you dig it. We got all these products or services. Jump in if you want. Otherwise, here's all this other free stuff that we have for you. Yeah. Check and tr see what works. And I always say, anything I say, please research it research it. Prove me wrong because I believe you're just going to prove me right by trying to, you know, like synthetic toxic chemicals or, or sucralose. Does sucralose have a negative impact on the, the, the digestive system? Well, let me look down. Dolce said it does. Fuck, you know what? It actually does. It does enough so that it doesn't make sense to consume it. And I should probably consume more bioavailable foods that are local and naturally harvested in the soil that my kids are playing in right now anyway. That, that just seems to make more sense. So again, to close, we meet people where they are in the journey. We have the time, the experience, the resources, the, the manpower to just help you. We, I mean, like I said, Sony calls us. They got their, their famous superheroes got to have a sexy man scene and he's been in bad boy, you know, status the last couple of weeks. Super right. blow, like, yeah, we can, we'll fix that too, you know? Yeah. So that's kind of, that's what we do. So every day is pretty cool here. Uh, but again, we're just focused on helping people live longer lives better. That's it. I guess I would, yeah. I, I mean, I think the overall approach, like I, I am somebody who likes to take a holistic approach and, and look at all factors. Um, I probably would say I'm maybe a little bit more lenient in terms of allowing some things like I think somebody, obviously it's definitely a Lane Norton, but even somebody like a Peter Atia, if you're familiar with him, um, would say, you know, th there's, for instance, aspartame, right? There's, there's so, so, so many studies on aspartame that generally recognize them as, as being safe. Now, if somebody said to me, Hey, I, I want it to be ideal. What, like, I'm, I'm going to say have the water over the diet soda. Um, but I'm also, but I'm probably not going to say that I, I think diet soda is like the end of the world, which you and I might just disagree there. I don't know. Um, well, define the end of the world. Are we defining better or are we defining good enough? Yeah. I mean, I guess it would be hard to define that exactly. I think, um, maybe you would argue that if somebody was having a couple diet sodas, you feel like there's enough negative in there that they would feel that downstream over time is the argument that you're rating. So maybe you think the studies wouldn't pick it up enough in like a short-term study on humans or something. Well, and let's, let's take a step back and let's, let's reframe the question. Those who do drink a few glasses of diet soda because they think the aspartame or sucralose in the diet soda is not a negative. Those are the same people that likely have zero calorie sweetener in their coffee or they drink a, a red bull monster energy like insert your label there and probably have a little neon bcaa's also so that generally recognized as safe and i, I love speaking on that because i say it's generally recognized as safe that's more of the way people <laughs> should hear that right because i mean generally but those studies are done on such a small percentage of what's actually consumed 
right? Because it's, I use the, and I'm dating myself here, but the Michael Keaton as Batman mm. with Jack Nicholson as the Joker, when Jack Nicholson was killing the people of Gotham by poisoning them, not poisoning them because the water was tainted, because the chemicals in the water, though by themselves, were generally recognized as safe. They would drink the water and brush their teeth with the toothpaste. But the accumulation, the constant exposure to multiple sources of generally recognized as safe compounds pushes them over the edge. So that's the view that we take when we say, you know what? If I drank a diet soda, I'm going to look pretty much the same tomorrow. I'm not going to drink a diet soda because it's number one, just disgusting. It has no true benefit to me at all. I don't really like the taste and it does jack up my stomach because I haven't really dr drank it in so long, mm -hmm. but I've never had a beet juice jack up my stomach or a handful of blueberries or fresh watermelons never jacked up my stomach. Not once ever. So I'll just kind of consume more of those foods. So again, a lot of times, and, and maybe like a guy like Lane, Lane will sit there, he'll pick one data point, and he'll argue that up and down, and he'll go and he'll study. He probably has a little cheat sheet, and he, so he can study his little data points and try and beat up people he, quote, debates. But you have to take a, a step a little farther back and not just debate the, the, the grass studies, but really talk about the totality of exposure and the life-defining habits that each human has that's the that's where we work so i have a, a cup of soda or whatever it is yeah all right that's not gonna kill you but it's not making you better and we're, i'm here for excellence i mean that's that's we're, we're here for excellence we deal with mm -hmm. the, the world's greatest high level performers also so that kind of sharpened my sword a little bit we're defined by what i say is 0. 0.00 dot dot our athletes have to weigh 170.00 at 4.06 p.m. on a specific date. There's zero margin for error in my world. But at the same time, that's what we do when movie star so-and-so at 701 by the call sheet, they have to be dripping wet in their underpants on that sizzling scene. I know the exact time. So perfection to us is everything or the CEO. That's jumping coasts and closing deals and going to, and coaching the baseball team that wants to be fucking Iron Man. That's, again, where we work. So much of what I say sounds harsh. None of it's untrue. And please do your research, everyone listening, and prove me wrong once again. But we do take that stance. I want what's fucking best. Period. The end. And that's, that's what I'm going to educate. Now, if you're an adult, it's up to you to make the decision. And we say we must be intentional with our decisions we must be mindful of the consequences of those decisions and we must be accountable to those consequences they were of our choice now if you want to drink the soda fuck go ahead that's up to you hmm. i'm not does it not not frustrate you does it um i don't know boggle the mind when you see somebody who's so successful like a john jones where I, I would imagine his diet at times is total crap, but also his lifestyle. And obviously anybody who's familiar with him knows the stories there. Does it make you think like how much better could he even be if he was doing all this stuff optimally? Like it's almost amazing that he, cause I mean, I, something I do talk about a lot on the channel is genetics. And I think it would be foolish to think that there's not a huge genetic component to a lot of things, especially athletic endeavors, right? Obviously he has stellar genetics and, and both of his brothers are in the NFL. Um, but you have to wonder like, man, what if he wasn't going on these benders and doing cocaine and, and all these other things? Being around the alphas for so long, I'm, I'm not, well, I, I'm an alpha in my, my world. I'm not a genetic elite, let's say. When I say alphas, I'm sp speaking in these athletic terms, these mm -hmm. Olympians. Right. An Olympic athlete makes a professional look like an amateur. Mm -hmm. Right. The Olympians have typically been in their trade for 20 plus years. Consistency. You can be a pro in, in three to five in certain sports. Come out of high school and, and you can be a pro, let's say. Now, being around them, them at that level, what I have found is most of them are batshit crazy in one very specific defining way. And I'll, I'll use Cyclops from the X-Men as the example. 
Well, Cyclops's superpower, the, the laser vision, is also his biggest flaw. Left undirected, his superpower will burn down the whole fucking village. Will set his wife on fire and cut his fucking kids in half if he cannot harness that superpower. Every great athlete I've worked with and the greatest of the athletes more so than the rest, they have this superpower that's equally damaging. Some of them can kind of manage it. Most of them can. This is real. George St. Pierre openly talked about how his drive to be great nearly drove him crazy and he had to retire from the sport. I know athletes without saying names that have personally burned their entire family life simply because of their, their dedication to their sport, their craft, not to another woman per se, but also that same live on the edge flaw has ruined marriages and finances and created issues with the law because they had that fucking laser vision and they couldn't keep the lenses on. So when I see a guy like John, I, of course that's John and Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor. And you think about the greats, the Lance Armstrongs, the greats, the Jordan and the gambling and the extremes, right? Very common at the highest level. Mm -hmm. it's, it's cool. Like in a way, because I've been so intimate inside these lives through the, the body yeah. of my work over 20 years and, and see it for what it is and, and able to identify it, which is interesting. And this is what we do try and teach because every person has it. Fortunately, I'm just not as fucked up as, as maybe I need to be to be a great athlete is <laughs> right. you know, a, a joke we, you can also consider. I mean, I'm certainly screwed up in many other ways and apologize for cursing <laughs> here. Um, you know, screwed it screwed up in some other ways. Yeah, 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 for sure, man. Well, thank you for taking the time. Uh, I, I know you're a very busy guy. I'm very glad we were able to do this. And uh, so for people who want to learn more about your approach and what you guys do, where can they find you? You can go to thedolcediet.com. It's very simple. Everything is the Dolce Diet on, on social and such. But we have over 1,200 articles, mostly dietitian written meal plans and recipes and food facts and some workouts and things like that. Just very general, helpful information crockpot recipes and post-workout smoothies. That's all there. We have some other products and services that are available if people want more personalized attention, but we just want to help people. And whatever we put out there, man, please double check what we say. Make the decision that's right for you. But I think our voice, and, and Dave, you'll probably agree, the message that we put out is atypical to what is more common in the fitness media. And I say, I'm not a fitness marketer, most of those in social media are fitness marketers. They're not fitness experts. And, you know, humbly, I, I hope, I think my body of work can at least say, well, I'm, I'm a fitness expert that has an opinion and a perspective that you should at least listen to it before you decide to put sugar-free maple syrup on your whey protein pancakes with, <laughs> uh, you know, confectionery sugar or whatever the hell else you're, you're adding this week. Right, right. All right. Well, thank you, Mike. And we will definitely have links below to all of your stuff. I appreciate it. Right? It, it, it's a blast. I'm glad we finally got a chance to hook up. Definitely.